I'm just going to do a quick recap of what um, our brother John, John Whaley, shared last week. And um, after the recap, we will go into the passage for today, this morning. Now, for the first slide itself, now, um, I'm sorry, it's just all the way at the bottom. First slide, yes, thank you. Oh, the cover slide, I mean, sorry. Okay, so um, as John has mentioned last week, Luke actually encouraged us to look at our whole sharing, the whole sermon, and try to summarize it into one line. So this week itself, as I was just poring over it, um, this line came to mind. Christ is my Redeemer, our Redeemer, and our great reward. Therefore, He deserves, and I will give, the utmost, my utmost, for His highest. So that would be the summary statement for today. Now, very quickly, I'm just going to take us through the whole, we are doing, you, for those of us who are just uh, joining us here, and those who are watching on, online, uh, welcome to all of you. Um, I'm just going to take us through the book of Ephesians as a whole, as an overview. When Luke was here, he said that this, whole, this book of Ephesians can be divided into two parts, chapter 1 and three to 3, chapter 4 to 6. Now, if we were to look at um, chapter 1 to 3 and 4 to 6, there are some helpful ways that we can organize this um, just to give us a feel of the overarching themes in these chapters. So 1 to 3, we'll be talking about the believer's position or God's purpose and power, the gospel of Christ Jesus, and chapters 4 to 6 is the outworking of that gospel. How does it look like to live the gospel in our lives? All right? Now, last week, John shared this, okay, that he has discovered how much he is loved in Christ, and therefore, he will bless the Lord and grow in him. John also encouraged us to live our lives forward in faith, but with reflection on the past. Why? Just so that we can recognize the fingerprints of God in our life. And John also said this, that every spiritual blessing that God intends for us to receive is made possible in and through Christ Jesus. And these spiritual blessings far outweigh any earthly and material blessing. Now, he also talked about what are all the, the treasures and the blessings that we have in Christ. And I'll just quickly do a, a, a quick summary of it. In Christ, we have the blessings of election, sonship, redemption, and forgiveness of sin, revelation, God's lavish grace, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, so that is the context of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 14. And today we are going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to 23. And that's about Paul's prayer. So when Paul was making this prayer for the Ephesians, it was in response to his praise and to whatever that he shared about Christ and the revelation of God's purposes in Christ in the earlier chapter, and he prays it for the Ephesians. So at this time, I'd like to invite Damon, who will be doing the scripture reading for us.
this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love towards all the saints. I do not cease to give you thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that God is of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in his age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills in all, all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Thanks, Damon. Now, let's take a quick look. There's just a lot for us to unpack in this place, but we are going to be just doing a quick look at the front part. Now, verse 15, Paul says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. Now, faith in the Lord Jesus, Paul has heard of it. So that talks about our faith. Is it evident enough for people to recognize it? That's one. And he has heard of their love towards all the saints. So he's talking about faith showing its evidence, and one of its evidence is in love for all the saints. Who are the saints? The saints are believers in Christ Jesus, and he's referring to the church. And is he only referring to the Billabong? Is he only referring to the Ephesians? He's referring to the whole body of Christ, the saints. Love for the saints. Now, in Ephesians, in, in chapter, uh, sorry, in verse 16, he says this, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. When Lucas came up earlier, he shared that Paul exhorts us in Ephesians chapter 6 to pray for all the saints, to remember everyone in prayer, to keep praying for them. So as I was reflecting over this, I'm just thinking that we are here so blessed, we have a nice building, we are able to worship in freedom, in safety, but there are many other Christians in the body of Christ in other parts of the world at this point in time that are going through severe persecution persecuted simply because of their faith. There are Christians in countries where they are denied financial aid because of their faith. There are Christians in countries that have to flee for their lives, brought in front of a crowd, and they have to give their lives up in front of everyone because of their faith. So when we remember the Christians, when we remember the larger body of Christ, let's keep them in prayer because it's not easy. Okay, so that's one thing that I just thought I want to encourage us. And moving on to verse 17, 17 to 19. 
Here, Paul prays and he says this. He says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation for a whole range of things. He's praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation for four main things that I've picked out here. One, in the knowledge of Him. To know Him is the first thing. The second thing is to have the eyes of their heart enlightened so that they may know what is the hope to which he has been called, we have been called in Christ and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's the second thing. The third thing would be the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. And the fourth thing is Paul talks about how Jesus is exalted far above every other name, exalted to the right hand of God. What does that mean for us as believers then? So four things. Now, very quickly, let's look at, let's zoom into this part here in verse 17, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. How can we know God? How do we know Him? Now, there are a variety of ways. I've just picked out three ways. The first way would be through His creation, His works in creation. Now, if you look at Psalms, Psalms in chapter 19 verse 1 says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. So when we look at creation, we see the works and the fingerprints of God. Have you been to a particular place while travelling on a tour and you look at the splendour of creation, like maybe the Grand Canyon, or if you've been up to the Kimberleys. I've not been to the Kimberleys, but I've been to other places here in Western Australia, and I say, Lord, look at the beauty of that. How can anyone say there is no God? Look at Romans. Romans chapter 1, Paul says this, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature. So how do we know God? Through creation. The second way that we know God? Through His written word, the Bible. So let, in, in, in John chapter 1, you will see that John gives a profound description of Christ, Christ Jesus. And John says this, in the beginning was the Word. The Greek word for this word, word, is logos. Logos meaning the written word. In the beginning was the written word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory of His only Son from the Father, full, full of grace and truth. So when we talk about the Word of God being the truth of God, we are looking at Christ Jesus, full of grace, full of truth. And this is the same Jesus that also says that He is the way 
the truth and the life. So no one has ever seen God who is at the Father's side, but God has now made himself known through Christ. So we know God by reading his word. The third thing would be the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is also referred to as the Spirit of the Lord or the Spirit of Christ in some of the Bible translations. So in Isaiah, let's look at Isaiah, what Isaiah says in chapter 11. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. And this is now, we now know, him refers to the Messiah and refers to Christ Jesus. Okay? The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So when Paul was praying for the Spirit of wisdom in verse 17, Paul is saying the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, wisdom and revelation comes from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, part of the triune God, is God. That's why in the book of James, you will see that James actually wrote that if any man should lack wisdom, let him come boldly before the throne of grace and ask of him, him as in God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it shall be given to him. Wisdom comes from God. At this point, I must say, I will just interject this small point in here. There is a difference between godly wisdom and human wisdom. There is a difference. We don't have the time to go into that. James chapter 3 will be the chapter that you can look at it. Okay? Now, no one can know the true glory of God then through normal philosophy, reasoning, or intuition. No one. We can know about God somewhere. Yes, we, the Bible is clear enough to know about Him, but no one can know the true, the true depths, extent, and magnitude and wonder of God unless it is revealed to him through the Holy Spirit. Okay? So that's why if you were to recall, when, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Peter replied and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Revelation comes from God. Okay? Now, why do we then, why do we, what else do we need to have the Holy Spirit or the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing God? Now, the Bible says that God dwells in unapproachable light. His ways are far higher than our ways. His thoughts are far higher than our thoughts. He is the God who created the universe, the heavens and the earth. He is the one who puts all the stars in their place and He calls them all by name. He is the one who knows the hair on our head. How many of our hair has dropped? We were just talking about um, Mahun and, uh, um, was here on Thursday for a prayer and we were just talking about the subject on hair. And I was just telling him that, you know, two years, just being two years here, the last two years, not, sorry, I, I should say that again. 
not being two years here, but just the, over the last two years, it so happened that my head has become more grey. And then, you know, we were saying that when we were young, we would ask our children to pull and pluck out all the grey hair from our head. Right now, they were like, uh, no, nah, I give up. <laughs> and then for Mahun's case, he will not let Johnny pluck out his hair because that's his crown of glory. <laughs> so, God knows every hair that turns from black to white and every hair that drops. In Romans, this is what Paul says. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and how inscrutable His ways. Do we think that we can know God through our own minds, our limited human understanding? Can we even begin to comprehend the universe at this point in time? Can we even begin to comprehend how the human body is made. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Moving on. In, in, um, yes, so in verse 18, Paul says, and he prays, that the eyes of their heart may be enlightened so that they may know the hope to which they have been called to and the riches of His glorious inheritance. Now, when we talk about heart in biblical times or in biblical text here, heart doesn't refer to the feelings or the mind. It refers to the whole inner person, the whole inner personality that includes the mind, the intellect, the feelings, and the volitional aspect of the inner person. So the whole being, having the eyes of their heart enlightened, that they might begin to grasp and comprehend what's the blessed hope that they have and the glorious inheritance in Christ. Now, in the Old Testament, we, can, we know that Israel, sorry, God, Israel, and Canaan, the land of Canaan, Israel was God's inheritance and God gave the land of Canaan to Israel as their inheritance, the promised land. But if you were to look a little bit earlier in Genesis, when God first called Abraham out, now Abraham is the father of Isaac and Jacob and from which Jacob's name was changed to Israel. When God first called Abraham out, He called Abraham by election. It was not because of what Abraham had done. It was not because he earned his right to be called by God. God selected him and chose him. So you see that gift of election there. And he told, God told Abraham this. He says, Do not fear, for God says that he will be his shield, Abraham's shield, and his exceedingly great reward. And so when you see when Israel came out of the land of Egypt, we thought that they came out of the land of Egypt to walk into their promised land, into their inheritance. But if you were to look at the book of Numbers, you will see that in the, in the apportioning of the land, in the division of the land, the priests, the Levites, were not given any inheritance of land. They had no part of the land. But God said to the priests, to the Levites, 
that He, Yahweh, God, will be their inheritance. So who is the, the inheritance? What is, what is the inheritance of the Levites, the priests? God. Now, if you look at Exodus um, chapter 29, I have got that verse up here. You will see that in Exodus 29, God said that He will dwell after the consecration or following the consecration of the high priest Aaron, the high priest. God says, I will dwell among the people of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. So we can see actually who is the ultimate inheritance? What's the ultimate inheritance of Israel? Was it the land per se? God was the inheritance. That's in the Old Testament, right? Now in the New Testament, the believers and followers of Jesus Christ will inherit all that is symbolised by the land of Canaan plus kingdom of God, the earth, salvation, glory, incorruption, and many more. You can read about it in the book of Revelation. Now, many of these blessings are only fully realised, can only be fully realised at the consummation of times. What's the consummation of times? The return, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is Jesus returning? Yes. How do I know? Because he said that he is returning. Paul sincerely believed that Jesus will be returning in his day. And we look at and we stand at this point in time and we say, oh, but he has not returned as yet. When is he returning? I do not know. But if you look at the things that are happening around us right now, it certainly does show that we are closer to his return than ever before. So many of the inheritance that we will be getting that we'll be getting will be real, fully realized when Jesus comes back again and is returning soon. But many of the inheritance that he, that God has promised we have already and we can already start to taste it now. That's why when Jesus went about his ministry, he went about with his disciples and he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he cast out the demons, and he told his disciples to tell them this, when you do all of these, tell them and proclaim the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God has already come, but it's not yet in its fullness. And we are living in this period right now. So, if you recall, back to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Paul says, to all who believe in Jesus Christ, those, that means those who accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour and choose to be His disciples and to follow Him, God gives the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of His inheritance in the saints. Now, when we talk about in the saints, inheritance in the saints, it can be read in two ways. One, that we are God's treasured possession. 
Believers are the treasured possession of God. The second way that we can read it is that the Holy Spirit is given to us as our inheritance as well. And what does that mean for us then? God, as just now you saw in this picture here, dwelling in the midst of Israel as symbolized by a pillar of fire, God is now dwelling in the midst of His people in each of His believers. That's the inheritance that we have, and that's what Paul is talking about. And so, if you were to think about it, we have an astounding and a glorious inheritance in Christ, promised and given by the Father, made possible through Jesus Christ, and effected through the Holy Spirit. Now, at this point, I want to quickly ask ourselves to just take to just pause at this moment and ponder. What does it mean for the Holy Spirit to be dwelling in us? This same Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that was there at the creation of the world. This same Spirit is the same Spirit that anointed the, the different and selected individuals that we read about in the Old Testament, the prophets, some kings, some anointed individuals, the judges. This same Spirit of God is the same Spirit that, that rested upon Christ that John the Baptist saw at the baptism of Jesus. This same Spirit is the same Spirit that operated through the Lord Jesus in His earthly ministry, bringing about healing, bringing about wholeness, bringing about resurrection from the death. This same Spirit is the same Spirit that Jesus talked about when He says that when He goes back to the Father, He will not live us as orphans, but He will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit to us to be our helper. This same Spirit is the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, of counsel, of might. This same Spirit, what does it mean then to have the Holy Spirit in us as believers? Is He only a badge that we wear on our clothes that says that we belong to God? The same Spirit, the incomparable greatness of His power towards us, in us, who believe. So as Israel in the land of Canaan, they had to walk into the land of Canaan by faith, in step and in obedience with God, to take possession of their inheritance. Perhaps we believers today will also need to take that by faith and also to respond in faith and in obedience to the Lord. What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit in us? Now, my next few slides, I'm just going to go through it very quickly because I just feel that this question is a really important question that I want us to just ponder over as I just quickly go through the next few slides. What does it mean to have God dwelling in us through 
His Spirit. The Holy Spirit will bear witness and testify about Christ. The Holy Spirit will reveal Christ to us, the extent of who He is. More than what we read, we are talking about an experiential revelation of who Christ is in us. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things and He will bring to remembrance all that Jesus has taught. The Holy Spirit will reveal the things of God. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul talks about how spiritual truth can only be interpreted in the Spirit. So when we read the Word of God, we can read it like a novel, we can read it like any other book, we can gain knowledge of that. How does that translate into our lives? How does that work out in our lives? How do we experience God in the fullness of His glory and power in our lives? Third thing, the Holy Spirit enables and empowers believers to live in Christ and for Christ. I was just reading a couple of weeks back, there was this person in India who is a Christian pastor. He was preaching in a church and he heard that there were some extremists that were heading his way, a few hundred of them. So they left the church, he went into hiding, he, went in, he hid in one of the houses, the extremists sussed him out and they dragged him to the, the front of the village or the centre of the village. And they asked him and they told him, renounce your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I can't, I can't do that. And they took a stone and they killed him on the spot. He leaves behind his wife and his children. When I read that, I asked myself, yes, I read about the, the, in the Bible about how all the disciples were, became martyrs. But this is a little bit closer to home now, in the modern day. What would make somebody give his life for Christ and look at the, in a stare at the face of death and say, Jesus, you are worth it all? What? So today, as we ponder about what does it mean for the Holy Spirit to be living in us, I'd just like to ask ourselves this question. As we start each day, tomorrow, Monday, from Monday to Saturday, when you wake up in the morning, is your heart, what's your heart? Where's the gearing of your heart? Where is your priority? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? What's the thing that preoccupies you throughout the day and throughout the week? What is it that you are really looking out and living for? What's your understanding of Christ? How does that work out in your life from Monday to Saturday? When, sorry, please pardon me. When I say about you, I'm talking about me as well. I'm including myself too. Because this whole week as I'm preparing, as I was reflecting over this, the Lord was just prodding me at different points in time. Because I wake up in the morning thinking about the weeds that have overgrown in this place. 
I wake up in the morning thinking the first thought in my mind, is there a broken fence today? Is the heart broken in two again? Are they trashed out in the, the car park again? Which tenant have not paid their, their rent? Have I forgot to do the invoicing? What is it that encompasses our whole being and our thinking? I was praying with my daughters this week and um, we will usually say a prayer on the way to school and in front of us was a rainbow. And this thought came to my mind. I said, Lord, I don't believe that I have seen as many rainbows in my life until I came here. And it almost becomes like a common thing, right? Rainbows. But my daughter, Alison, asked me this. She said, Dad, Dad, why is it that the rainbow is curved in a semicircle? Why is it not a straight line? I said, wow. That's quite a question for an early morning conversation. Now, I tried to explain to her in my very limited science, but this thought came to my mind and it hit me this. As Christians, we know that God was the one who created the rainbow as a covenant of His promise to Noah and to the world that He will never again destroy the world with a flood, right? We know that story. That covenant of promise, that word, had remained till today. Thousands of years. When God said, let there be light, and He created the world and there was light, every morning we wake up, our eyes open and we see light. What does that tell us about God? His faithfulness. The sureness of His faithfulness, His love. Does creation reveal God? Yes. Does the written word of God attest to that? Yes. What happens? What's the result? My heart fills with praise. And that morning I prayed with my daughters, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. Because come whatever we are facing, whatever pains that I'm feeling in my body, whatever difficulties and struggles that I'm experiencing emotionally, you are good and you are faithful. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs, the righteous run to the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is like a strong tower. They run to it and they are safe. What's our anchor in life today? What's your anchor in life? What are you holding on to as your anchor? Now, my time is running out. I'll very quickly share with you one or perhaps two testimonies about what does it mean for Jesus to be exalted to the right hand of God. Name above every other name. And in the book of Philippians, Paul says, that at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth and below will bow. So when we say Jesus, every knee in heaven, on earth and below will bow and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is 
Lord. When Alison was very young, there was one night she had, there was one period where she had nightmares, recurring nightmares. And she would scream in the night in terror, in fright, at about the same time in the night, around about maybe 1 a.m. It happened for two nights in a row. For both nights, she said that she saw the same thing. She saw some really ugly, evil-looking things, and those things came to her, and they started stamping on her. And so she screamed in terror. Now, as a parent, as a, as a father, I know that that's not of the Lord. That dream was not of the Lord. And that dream was not in relation to anything that she has watched on television because we are very selective over the things that we watch on television. That dream strikes fear. And fear is not from God. Right? That's why we sang the song, I'm no longer a slave to fear. And so I told my daughter, who was really like maybe only three years old then or four years old, I told her, say, you know what? Jesus is the name above all names. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. At the name of Jesus, everything needs to bow and acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. So I told her this. When you see that in your dream, all you need to do is to call Jesus. Okay? So we rehearsed that. She said, okay. That night she slept and she slept through. The next morning, I had to check what happened. So I said, did you have the dream? Yeah, I had the dream. So what happened? I called Jesus. I said, okay, so maybe this is just a four-year-old or three-year-old just repeating things. I said, so what, did, what happened? What happened when you called Jesus? He said, that thing went away. As in, it fled, it went away very fast. And I said, so then what happened after that? Say after that thing left, she saw so many angels. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, so let's, let's test that a bit more and see, you know. I said, so what colour were the angels? Perhaps she has seen the Christmas decorations and she would say that, yeah, they were in silver and they were in white and gold. She says, Daddy, they were in so many colours that I have not seen before. So many colours. Now, that's the language of a three, four-year-old. Myself, I've, I've, I've served in the army, and in army barracks, sometimes they say that it's not very clean spiritually. There was one night I was alone in my office, it was a big office, and I was reading the Bible. There was a radio on the other side of the room that as I was reading the Bible, suddenly it just, the static just turned on the radio turned on and it was just pure static. And it was on like full blast, full volume. So you can imagine that me being alone in the night, in the office, reading the Bible and that happened and then you hear all the stories about the barracks not being clean. There were two responses that I could choose from. One, I could flee. Or two, I could remember that God has not given us a spirit of fear. And that at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven, earth, and below will bow. So I went across the room, I switched off the radio, and I prayed. I said, anything in here right now that is not of the Lord Jesus Christ, any demonic being, any worker of the evil one, Satan, 
I command you right now to leave the room. And I felt within me something broke. And the peace of God came. And I continued reading the, the Bible. And somebody walked into the room that day. This wow, this is a beautiful room, eh? Wow, you're very comfortable here, huh? I'll leave that with you right now. What does it mean to have the Holy Spirit in us who believe? What does it mean for us to have God and Christ in us who is exalted far above every other name? What does it mean for you? Now, there are two groups of people that i like to address today. The first group, perhaps you are here today. You have heard of the Lord Jesus. You have heard about the gospel of Christ. But you have not quite yet taken that step to accept Him as your Saviour, as your Lord. I'd like you to know, perhaps you might have had experiences or you might have heard of things about the Lord and about, about Jesus, about Christians that have left you very disappointed and have left you very disillusioned. But I would like to tell you this, if our eyes are fixed on men, we will be disappointed. We will and can get hurt because men, all of us, are under construction. None of us are perfect. I don't get perfect. I'm not perfect. Ask my wife. She knows, she knows what makes me tick and she knows that I tick her off as well. No one's perfect. But that is exactly why I know that if I stand before a just, a holy God, a just God, a God of justice, who is ultimately and infinitely holy, that if he looks at me and he says, ah, there you go, you fall again, you have sinned, if he exacts his judgment on me immediately, I would have been long gone. I wouldn't be here today. The only reason why I'm here today is because of the sheer grace of God. The only reason why you are here today is because of His love, His grace, and His mercy. It is not by any coincidence that you are here today. It's not for those who are watching online. It is not by any coincidence that you have decided to tune in online today. But no, it is not Aaron who is speaking. Because these words that come out from my mouth, from my lips itself, when you hear it, goes through a whole interpretation process in here. And the Bible says, Jesus says, no one can come to the Father unless the Father himself draws him. So you are drawn here today by God because he is saying that would you accept his gift of love? Would you accept his gift of grace? A gift is not a gift and it will not bring any form of, of, of joy or reward with it unless it is accepted. There is no coincidence. 
God has been working out His redemption plan and showing His love throughout the whole of history. You remember I said that Jesus is coming back soon? You remember I said that he, we are closer to the end than before, and, but it's not back here? Why? Because when Jesus returns, there will be the final judgment. And the only reason why, perhaps, He's tearing His return is because He desires for all to come to repentance. He desires for all to have that chance, chance after chance, to turn to Him. And says, would you accept His gift? Now, if this is you, I'd like to invite every one of us now to just close our eyes for a moment, please. With no one looking around, please. If today you would like to accept what Christ has done for you, the rich blessings that He has for you, the inheritance that He has for you, if you would like to allow Christ to come into your life to show you that He is actually the Prince of Peace, that He is the one who is the lover of your soul, the one who can bring complete healing and restoration to your life, times of refreshing, then I would like to invite you to respond this morning and to say, yes, Lord, I want to accept this gift, your gift of love and salvation. And if you are saying, yes, Lord, then I'd like to invite you to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I confess that I have sinned and I repent of my sins. I believe that you are the Son of God and the only way to God. That you died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. I thank you for what you have done for me. And by faith, I receive it now. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior, and I confess you as my Lord. Please accept me now and make me a child of God. Help me by your Spirit to live in your way of life. In Jesus' name I pray these. Amen. Okay, now you may open your eyes. The second group of people, to those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, this word just keeps coming to me throughout the whole week. Is our faith a Sunday affair? What happens? Is Christ real to me? What is the inheritance that you are living for? What's the inheritance that you are working towards? 
or that you're trying to build up? When was the last time that your heart was so filled with love and awe for God that you cannot help but to praise, to pray, and to tell others about Christ? Paul here in Ephesians 3, uh, 1, 3 to 14, John Wadey last week, he said that he said all of whatever that he said, the blessings in Christ in one sentence. That was like a doxology. It was like a praise. And in response to his praise and revelation of God, he prays it through. And he prays it with the heart of a spiritual parent for the Ephesians and says, I want you to get this too. When was the last time that you longed to meet God in prayer and in your quietness? Is the gospel still amazing for you? Is Christ Jesus still enough for you? Do you desire for a greater revelation of Christ? of His hope and inheritance in you? And do you desire to live in the power of His Spirit? If you, do, if you desire for this, then I invite everyone again to close your eyes, raise your hands and your heart, and as I pray for you, as I pray for us, because I too desire for this. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you may grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation into the true knowledge of you, you, O Lord, through your Son, Jesus. We desire to know you personally, deeply, intimately. We pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened by the Holy Spirit, so that we will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, and the confident expectation to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in us, your people, and that we will know and experience the immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing greatness of your power in us who believe. And now, unto Jesus our Lord and King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be all glory, honour, forever and ever. Amen.